The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here again. It's another week, another week of minisodes, another week of us coming at you twice a week, which I hope has not gotten old. I hope that you all are enjoying uh, having a little bit extra time with us every week. Because boy, are we extra. Oh, always. Hey, Dylan, what are we talking about this week? So we're talking about, uh, we're kind of going back to theater a bit, because that's that's kind of what we founded this show on. Um, and... I guess as actors, Chris, what would you define acting as? I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious. Okay. Hmm. That's a big question. I think that I, I'm going to bust out. I know that this is a quote from someone. I honestly cannot tell you which theater theorist this is a direct quote from because mm-hmm. they all rattle around in my head constantly. I cannot escape their words. But one theorist that I remember reading in school referred to acting as the art of behaving truthfully under untrue circumstances. So a play right, is basically a road, that. Yeah. a road map of something fictional, and the job of the actor is to take that fictional world and those fictional words and perform them from a place of truth. Okay. And there's a lot more that goes to, into it, but if you, you ask me to define acting, and that's about <laughs> as clean a definition that's, as I can come to. That's fair. I, I guess, like, what I, I would say is if people ever ask me, how do you act, or, like, what what do you do as an actor? I usually tell them that acting is like 80%, like 20% performance, 80% character analysis. But Dylan, it's just talking. You're just talking <sighs> on stage. You're just talking into a microphone. Anyone can do it. <laughs> Says every human being I want to strangle. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I guess like what we are going to be doing for this week uh, is a two-parter on character analysis. It's a late-night double-feature picture show. I really need to watch Rocky Horror again. Same. Like, shame that, like, I can't go to my local theater and watch it. <laughs> I also don't know if I can do that anyway, because Disney owns the rights to it now. I forgot about that. Holy Thanks, shit. Thanks, Mickey Mouse. Fucking prick. <laughs> But anyway, what are we? What what is what is this double feature that we're knocking out? Okay, um, I want to edit that out. I can't see myself working we've, for Disney we've anytime. We've talked smack soon. at the mouse before on this show. <laughs> fair, fair, I guess. I have nothing but respect for all of the creatives working at Disney. I have nothing but disdain for Disney as a mega corporation. <laughs> That's fair. Um, okay, so yes, what we're talking about uh, in this episode is going to be character analysis. And I, I think we've definitely touched on this before. Uh, yeah, you know, we've, we've, huge... we've done bits and pieces of this, like in our, in our cold reading episodes we've done. And I think we did, uh, when we did our like big breakdown of like the beats and iconoclast that make it work, we touched on this. But we're going we're gonna to do like 
some deep in the weeds character breakdowns for y'all. Yeah, we're going to do like a, a more holistic look at a character's journey throughout an entire game. Um, and we thought to kind of prepare people for that, we would kind of also to like kind of get us back in that language because it's been quite a few years uh, since we had to do this uh, academically. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Chris and I, we, we were talking before we record this episode and we were going to look at Link from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and kind of do a character analysis for him. But Dylan, he's a silent protagonist. I've already stood up for a silent protagonist before. I'll do it again. Yep, silent um, protagonists can still have character arcs. Yeah, I think you can You can still break down, like, in the weeds. Uh, I, I think this is the second time I said that this episode. Um, and if it isn't, I thought about it twice. I, <laughs> well, whatever. We're, we're going to, like, do a deep dive on Link. Yeah, and besides, the, the importance in acting is not the words you're saying, it is the actions you are taking. That's why yes. it's called acting and not wording. <laughs> and like it's, what do you do in video games? I don't know, act. but it seems to me that you use a lot of actions with the buttons and controls and inputs. I sound like a fucking boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't know what else to do for this introduction, so maybe we should just jump right in. Yeah, let's start at the very beginning. What is okay. the first thing that happens in a character arc? So character arc, let's let's start here. Okay. Here's the here's the, the tricky thing with talking about storytelling and acting and all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of theory around how narrative works, how acting works, how art works. Like you can you can take the lens zoomed out that far. Mm -hmm. And it is impossible to find one answer to what any of these terms we're going to be talking about mean, because tons of people have talked about it and tons of people have their own ideas. But generally speaking, a character arc, as we're going to be using it, refers to like sort of where the character starts, where they end and what happens in between to get them there. Yes. And the first thing that happens in a character's arc, the first thing that happens in a story is you have to have something that kicks it off. You have to have what we will refer to as the inciting incident. Actually, Chris, I think it starts with the status quo. Well, that's, again, a different That is form. upset by the inciting incident. <laughs> okay, well, it starts in the ordinary world, then. We can just throw terms back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but no, yes. yes. So, you, you, uh, you are correct, though. Mm -hmm. Typically, like, the first thing that could be said will happen in a story yes. is the inciting incident, but that is upsetting a status quo the given circumstances of the story. Again, there's dozens of terms for all this stuff. It's very overwhelming. But, uh, essentially, like, main character has a normal life. Some, like, external element happens that disrupts that life. Main character has to go on a journey, uh, hopefully has a moment of self-discovery, and then the story ends with that self-discovery impacting the main character in some way, positive or negative. Yeah, so what is Link's normal life what are the the given circumstances that we're working with at the very beginning of ocarina of time for link link is a social outcast he is a shy wreck of nerves who is depressed and is lying in bed all day because and yep. is plagued with constant nightmares kids just a little ball of anxiety which honestly mood um <laughs> but he's also he why is that dylan why 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 is that the case so in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, you start in a village called Kokiri Forest, where you live with a bunch... It, it's basically Neverland. It's populated by a 
group of children who never grow up called the Kokiri. And they are the children, I think? Yeah, they're, 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 in... they're, they're the children of this deity called the Deku Tree. And the thing about the Kokiri is that they all have their own guardian fairy or their... Uh, a familiar fairy. of sorts. Yeah, it's a familiar. Thank you, Chris. In the status quo, Link does not have a fairy. Um, and as you talk to more NPCs after you get a fairy, you realize that this has kind of estranged him from the rest of the community um, to the point where, like, the kind of head honcho of the community, Mido, he uh, he rejects you and he he likes to bully you and pick on you. He's also one of the most comical character designs in that entire game. <laughs> He's such a frumpy bitch. I love I him. I love him. <laughs> I guess now we can move on to the insight. Well, last, last bit of status quo is that uh, Link has been plagued by nightmares like I've established, but they are of things beyond the forest, of events out of his comprehension. And yeah, I think with that we can move on. Yeah. And so then the inciting incident happens. And the inciting incident for Link, I would argue, is the arrival of Navi. He gets exactly. a fairy. He gets a fairy. Uh, the fairy is sent by the deity of Kokiri Forest, the Deku Tree. Uh, Deku, Deku, whatever. Um, the Deku tree uh, sends Navi the fairy to Link because the time has come for him to go on his epic quest. And I'm not going to talk too much about the story insofar as like the macro sense. I, I want to focus down on Link's character. Yeah, because that that's also kind of one of the important elements when you're looking at a character arc. There is value to looking at it like holistically within the like the scope of what's happening in, you know, the story writ large, but it's also very important that you kind of separate those two ideas. Yeah. Because, like, one of the things that our acting professor would kind of warn us against that I, I still hold on to in my head is this idea of you don't want to play the end at the beginning. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're approaching the, you know, your breakdown of a character too much from the point of view of, like, you know, the themes of the play or, like, where they end up in the story. You run the risk of having too much of those, like, concepts that aren't part of the character yet coming into your performance at yeah. the beginning of the story. Yeah, Link doesn't leave his bed because he's the hero of time and it's his time to leave his bed and go on an epic quest. He leaves because he's pushed out of bed. Yeah, he's being pestered by this annoying little ball of light that's telling him to go talk to God. <laughs> When you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Kirby game. Oh my god, kinda. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so so Link gets out of bed and he goes to the Deku Tree after doing a bunch of side quests where he has to stand up to Mido and prove himself not only worthy of going to talk to the Deku Tree, but I'm going to use Deku and Deku interchangeably. Fuck you, That's fight fine. Me. I do uh, all the time. <laughs> He also proves himself better than any of the Kokiri because he's able to find the Kokiri sword, which is a, it's one of the treasures that is in Kokiri Forest that like no Kokiri has been brave enough to do, but it's super easy. It's like a tutorial on how to look around walls and avoid boulders. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Link, Link kind of proves himself as not only being better than Mido, but also like he's able to utilize Navi because mechanically, and I think this is something that we need to establish, is uh, mechanics as tactics in mm. establishing character. That was to Chris. If none of that made sense to you, the listener, don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. But yeah so, um, and I, I think that 
One of the things we need to say is we're not going to be breaking down literally every scene in this game. This game is very long, and we don't want to be doing a fucking 12-hour podcast. Oh, absolutely not. But In no way was I planning on doing an entire... In in general, now that we're through the inciting incident, everything that happens is a scene. And we're going to be skipping over a lot of them, but in general, like... We'll we'll touch on like the big important ones, the ones that yes. signal monumental elements or like moments for Link's character as they go on. But every scene kind of has the same backbone. It's two characters needing something from each other. Or in video games, a lot you'll end up with like character who needs something from the environment. If you want to examine like gameplay set pieces as a scene, right, right. And so like like you're saying, mechanics as metaphor. That honestly, getting the Kokiri sword is a really good example of that because like. You need the Kukiri sword before Mito will let you pass. Mito is being a jerk and won't let you out of the village unless you have a sword and shield to protect yourself. Which, um, honestly, yes, also kind of shows that Mito, as much as he's bullying you, he also, like, is trying to keep you from getting hurt. Yeah, no, Mito, Mito's a jerk, but I do think that he genuinely cares, and... Later, when you come back to Kokiri Force as an adult, because spoilers, in Ocarina of Time, you become an adult, you, he, he seems genuinely worried about, like, whatever happened to that Link kid. Yeah. Um, and so, but, like, yes. you, Navi serves a couple of purposes mechanically in the game. For one, she can give you, give you hints, which is, she will do, whether you want her to or not, sometimes, <laughs> but yes. uh, can be useful if, like, you know, you have to step away from the game and you come back and you don't remember what you were doing. She also serves as the game's camera, which was item one, good at establishing like a relationship that she is helping Link on his quest, but also super important because this was the early days of 3D and Nintendo did this all the time of like personifying the camera controls as a way of like helping the audience kind of get how to do 3D camera movement in their heads. Right. So on the N64, if you hit the Z button, Navi will fly out and it's essentially a lock-on function. That's all it it functions as. But in the game, it is Navi like flying to whatever you're locking on to help Link focus on that thing. Yes. Or and if so you need to... This is used for Link to talk to people, to talk to characters far away, um, to read signs, to... To aim his weapon. Yes. All kinds of things. And also when you are like negotiating camera movements you use the c buttons on the n64 controller to like and this isn't as clearly thing but but like given that all of the c buttons are wait no it wasn't no because the c buttons were items what am i thinking of um no it's up on this it was up on the c pad to, to look in first to look, person and that would yeah. enter your like first person view yeah that's what i was thinking of and so you have to use that as you you enter into this let me reset we were talking about getting the kokiri sword <laughs> And okay. the, Kokiri, but, the Kokiri sword is in this small maze that you have to crawl into. So item one, you're learning how to crawl. And that is the first obstacle that you come learn, against. We yeah, talked you're, about. you're learning about context sensitivity. And I, I don't want to get too deep in, uh, into the mechanics. No, but like uh, this one moment does a really good job of like, take what hmm. we're talking about in this moment. And it happens all throughout this game. This game is very good at teaching how to do things yes. as you need to know them. And again, through actual gameplay as as much as through like prompts so you come up to this gap you have to crawl into that is your first obstacle we've talked about obstacles and tactics before that's what a scene is made of you are trying to get something you employ a tactic your scene partner or the world presents an obstacle that that tactic's not going to work on so then you have to change tactics so you 
You come to this hole in the wall, you employ your tactic to get through it. You, you know, hit the, the contextual button to crawl into the hole and get in. And then you're in a little maze and there's a boulder rolling around that will kill you and did kill me when I was eight playing this game because I was an idiot. I'm glad um, it wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that you get through this is in order to like see where the boulder is coming from because the camera is constrained to like a pretty restricted view in its standard way because these are tight hallways, you have to use that that input to get a first person view so that you can see when the boulder is coming and time your advances through this maze. And you can try other ways and maybe they'll work or maybe you'll fuck up and have to change tactics. And that's kind of the language of a scene in video game form. The yeah. tactics and obstacles are your inputs versus the things that the game determines whether that'll work on or not. Right, right. So yeah, you get the sword, you get the shield, you end up You get up the sword, the you get the shield, you uh talk to npcs they encourage you to be more social now that you have a fairy um now that they're not gonna shun you horribly <laughs> well i th i think it's like not even that yeah. i think just like nav it it's less like link is incapable or like people were not willing to talk to link before he had the fairy it's just that like the fairy is now encouraging link to read these signs look at you know watch out for that enemy uh, hey, here's some people. You should talk to them. Like, Navi is Link's life coach, I think. Yeah. Navi Navi is Link's Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> yeah. Man, okay. We we gave Disney shit, but I guess <laughs> that's two for two uh, really good analogies <laughs> they've given us. You're, you, you proved yourself to me, though, and I don't know why I pronounce his name like that. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> You, you prove yourself to him, and you get to the Deku Tree, and he tells you, like, someone's put a curse on me. I need you to uh, take care of it to prove your bravery and save me. And so you do that, and not a whole lot of story stuff happens within dungeons, so I can thankfully gloss past those. No, um, but if you, but you play Ocarina of Time yourself with this idea in mind, and think about what link is learning in each dungeon because i bet you could find something we're just not going to worry about that here we're looking at the the big story beats right after the dungeon you you destroy the parasite that's been killing the deku tree and he tells you it's too late but now that you now that you have done this task you are ready to begin your journey to save the world go out into the world talk to uh the princess of hyrule She'll give you a quest and, you know, you'll be able to save the world from the person who killed me. Um, and so that is kind of where the rest of Ocarina of Time starts. And so before we cover that, uh, Chris, when we when we analyze characters, what do we what do we do after we kind of look at the given circumstances and the inciting incident? You want to look for moments throughout the story of recognition and reversal. Absolutely. Um, but I, I would say, do you want to, would now be a fitting time to jump to the end and work our way back? Not a bad idea, Dylan. In yeah. fact, that's something that I, I, and I think we've talked about this before. I like to do that frequently because the way that a story wraps up, the, the, like the, the big ending climax of a story is usually the final big moment of recognition and reversal. And we've talked yeah. about this before. These are moments where a character realizes something, has an epiphany, or something changes for them that then causes what they are doing to change. Yeah. And these, to get, us, to, to get Aristotelian on here, everything <laughs> kind of needs to follow in logical order. A story yeah. only really works well if, like, moment A logically leads to setup B, which logically leads to moment C, which logically leads to setup D. 
you need that kind of like progression that makes sense of like the consequences of one thing lead to the next decision that has to be made. And so, like you said, start it going to the end and working backwards is a really good way of making sure that like if you reach the the climax and you know like okay this is the decision i'm making about how this is happening why does that start go to go back to the previous moment of change and make sure that it's going to follow logically so let's do that right at the end of ocarina of time the very last thing that happens is is or i guess i'll I'll go back a little bit uh so before the credits um you you defeat the big evil man ganon uh ganondorf pig beast ganon uh (laughs) whatever you want to call him. And Zelda basically talks to you. you. You've become an adult by this point, but it was not by your choosing. Yeah, I am glossing through a lot, but like <laughs> Ocarina we, Times we 22 years old. Game. Ocarina Times 22 years old. Uh, if you don't at least have like a faint idea of what the story is, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, go go play it and then come back and listen to this, I guess. Or like, you don't even have to play it. Just, like, read a Wikipedia summary. Yeah. It's, I don't think, like, it's going to take that long. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Zelda says, I'm sorry, this entire journey has kind of robbed you of your childhood. I will send you back in time so that you can kind of live that childhood you've missed. And so... As Link is, you know, being sent back in time, there's this huge ending segment where the credits are rolling and everyone's happy because the world is saved. And then you, the camera comes back to Link as a child again, and Navi leaves uh, for good. Like, she, she basically says, my work here is done. It, the, the time has come for me to leave you. She doesn't say any of this. Like, it's, it's a wordless ending. She just mm. leaves. And the first thing that Link does is he goes right to Zelda. And so I guess like the question is what changed and in like from my analysis of this character, I think what changes is in at the beginning of the game, Link is told by Navi and later by the Deku tree to go here or do this. And at the end, Link is free to do whatever he wants. Navi is no longer there. He, he doesn't need her anymore. But like he goes to see Zelda of his own volition. Yeah. And I think that that I think that that's something to look at, like moments like that of a character leaving. You have to kind of think about like why they're leaving. And for Navi, it's because Link doesn't need her anymore. Yeah. And Link agrees, like Link lets Navi go. There's no moment where it looks like he's trying to stop her from going. (coughs) Matura's mask. Well, you know what? Sometimes mechanics need to happen, but yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. the The plot of Majora's Mask is, or the status quo at the beginning of Majora's Mask is, Link has left Hyrule to look for Navi. Oh, re- I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, but I, I think, like, regardless of that, we, I, I'm gonna put a pin in that. We can, we can talk about that after we finish analyzing Ocarina of Time. Yeah, leaving Majora's Mask aside, Majora's Mask is a separate game. Yeah. If we're analyzing Ocarina of Time as a closed story, the fact that Link lets Navi go speaks to what has changed for him as a character. Yes. And he starts he out grown. as someone who, like, doesn't get out of bed because the idea of going out into his village and talking to people is too much for him. And he ends having grown past that. So I guess, like, um, for the... For... Cl- Clarency? That's not the right word. Um, Clarity? Clarity, thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We both talk for a living. Shut up. I don't write. 
I just read words and remember them. Okay, so for clarity, uh, I think we should summarize the action of Link in Ocarina of Time in one sentence. Yeah. And I would say, to summarize that, I would say that Link wants to, you know, Link wants to not be alone anymore. And so in order to do that, he has to push himself to be more social. Something like that. Yeah. And these are this is something that we would do back when we were in school. It was kind of an exercise of like getting at the heart of a character and like getting at the idea that we've talked about before, of like the super objective, which is the thing that is driving the character through everything and is usually a little bit more on like the esoteric side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a pretty good one for Link. I think I would, if I had to break down Ocarina of Time, I would say Link wants to, Link wants to feel like he belongs. Yes. And he finds that through helping everybody. <laughs> God, something that I just remembered when Link becomes an adult, he is constantly kind of reminded of the relationships he's had and how he's made them and how he will continue to make them through Sheik, who at the like beginning of every dungeon has like a little blurb that makes you reflect on the relationships you've made. So when you go to the Forest Temple where Saria, your childhood friend, is the sage, Sheik talks about how, you know, you will eventually part ways with childhood friends, but the memories you've made will affect who you are. And then, you know, the second dungeon with Darunia is like brotherhood. The third dungeon with Ruto is about romance. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like, it really solidifies that, that the yeah, nature helping, of relationships. And it's helping to hammer home like what Link has taken away from those relationships he's had. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that either. That's a really cool touch. God, yeah. it's almost like Ocarina of Time really tells its story well. Yeah, it's almost like Ocarina of Time has a good story. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not as epic as Twilight Princess, guys. I like Twilight Princess, by the way. That's not a slight against Twilight I like, Princess. I like Twilight Princess. I don't like Twilight Princess's pacing. But oh, that's neither terrible. here nor there. I guess now that we've kind of established the trajectory that Link's character has taken, the next step would be, like, very rough, very broad, beat by beat, like how... What, how does the game kind of reinforce this narrative? Um, and I, I already have this planned, so I can I can just yeah turn go those out start rattling want. through, and I will play. Uh, I'll play Peanut Gallery. <laughs> okay, so uh, so you leave the forest. Uh, the Deku Tree tells you to go to uh, the castle to talk to Princess Zelda. Ocarina of Time, being an adventure game, not an RPG. Why would you ever say it's an RPG? Ocarina of Time being an adventure game, uh, it, progression is kind of uh, linked to lock and key level design. Yeah. So in a more classic Zelda game, you know, here is a here is a wall that is cracked. That is the lock. It is barring your progression. You need a key to open it and get past to the next thing. What is the key you need? That's a bomb. So you place the bomb on the cracked wall and then it explodes uh creating progression that is lock and key level design yeah and and see this in variations on locks and variations on keys and some like in a later dungeon you come to a lot of quote-unquote lock doors that are actually platforms you can't get to because you don't have the hook shot yet things like that Mm -hmm. in ocarina of time you know it has that classic like zelda one through a link to the past form of lock and key level design where you need one of the items in Link's inventory to progress. But I think what Ocarina of Time introduces, which is why its story is so fondly remembered, even if I've talked to people who have 
like who started with later Zelda entries and find Ocarina of Time hard to go back to. I think the thing that made Ocarina of Time so amazing at the time was that a lot of the lock and key level design is tied to the people you meet. And they then become an integral part in the story, even if their their significance in the macro sense isn't that important. So to get to Zelda, what you need to the one thing you absolutely need to do is you need to talk to Malin, who is the daughter of a farmhand. Um, and the reason why is the farmhand, who was supposed to be delivering milk to the castle, fell asleep on the job, and you can't wake him up unless you talk to Malin. So you as the player and Link as a character need to deliberately go out of their way to talk to Malin and meet her and like get to know her and like actually become friends with her. She calls you, uh, she doesn't call you Grasshopper. That's in Majora's Mask. Never mind. Uh, she calls you Fairy Boy, <laughs> which has a, has a bit of a <laughs> yeah, connotation. That, uh, um, that localization choice was made. <laughs> Yeah, who boy. Can't believe they didn't uh, change that in the remake. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, th there's a connection that is established between you. And that connection is what leads Link to actually progress the story. And this game is chock full of moments like those. To talk to Darunia, the leader of one of the later villages you visit, to talk to him you actually have to go back to your hometown and talk to your childhood friend, Saria, who teaches you a song, and that song becomes the key to the lock that is Darunia's frump face. Yeah. <laughs> That's a not wrong way of putting that. Right. It, it kind of... Link, Link is learning from his friends of the past to make connections with uh, people he meets in the future, who he also becomes friends with. And there's this kind of theme of, like meeting people is what is pushing Link forward, and it is kind of what leads him to become this great hero. Yeah, because he's meeting people from all of the different races of Hyrule and helping people from all of the different races of Hyrule and caring about them. And like right. that, the fact that the game makes you go through these hoops helps set up, ideally, in the player, that same kind of caring about all these characters. Yeah. Which, again, and, like, that's that's what's fucking cool about video games is like the interactivity feeds into the theme of the game and the way that it makes you as the player feels feeds into the intent of how the they want you to imagine the avatar feels even when they're a silent protagonist it's so good <laughs> yeah fuck you fight me silent protagonists have <laughs> characters you just gotta think smart like i do you gotta you gotta have a big brain Big brain. I, I wanted I wanted to like fuck up my grammar, but I I, I didn't. So Gotta I guess that means I'm like really us. the big There it is. I have I'm the biggest idiot around. <laughs> I feel like I, I could keep like I could talk about like these moments all day. And something I think that is interesting is in the status quo of Majora's Mask, if we look at Majora's Mask again, uh not only does has do we see that Link has gone out of his way to talk to Zelda, but he has also gone out of his way to presumably talk to Malin because he's riding her favorite horse at the start of Majora's Mask. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so it's all connected. Like, there, there is a sense of flow from Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask where, like, they do remember this character growth, which is why I think him looking for Navi is for a different reason other than uh, wanting to you know, regressing as a character. Yeah, exactly. It's a different... Um, you, you have to at least assume that there is a continuation there. You have to assume that the 
status quo at the beginning of Majora's Mask is taking into account what Link has gone through in Ocarina of Time. That's one of those things that, like, the more sequels you get, the more you kind of have to be mindful of that when right. you're talking about those characters. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's ocarina of time i feel like we could go more in depth there but i i feel like i've said everything i need to say about it no i think that i think that we can leave it there but i'm having so much fun i'm i'm having fun too but we gotta leave him wanting more we gotta I leave understand. him wanting to come back next time and also i don't want to have to edit two full-length episodes of a week that's not why oh, we did fuck, this you're right that's not why we did these minisodes my dude uh <laughs> so we will we'll call it there Spend uh, spend the next couple of days until we come back on Thursday thinking about this. Think about some other games that you love that maybe have the same kind of idea to them. And think about applying this idea of like looking for those moments of change to some games that you like. And we'll be back to, to uh, pr- probably a quicker run through of a couple of games, uh, one for each of us on Thursday. And we'll talk about just more examples of this kind of thing, because really, this is the work that we do. It's a simplified version we're glossing over a lot of the like repetitive detail right uh but this is the framework of character analysis and of breaking down those important beats for a character and looking for those through lines of like how a character engages with the world around them that is is pretty integral to building a performance so until then spend some time thinking and we'll be we'll be here talking more about this in a few days but until then thank you so much for listening to this episode of backstage gaming If you like our show, remember to leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your family, mail a postcard to a stranger telling them to listen to our show. Also, if you like what we're doing, check us out at our website, bsgpod.com. It's got info about us. It's got info about the show. It's got a contact form. If you want to reach out to us, all of that can be found at bsgpod.com. You can also check us out on social media. Um, If you want to hit us up, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at bsg underscore cast. And, uh, you know, if you want to engage with us, I would recommend using that hashtag BSGpod. Uh, also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show with. If you want to check out his stuff, you can find him on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash BrennanFrenchArts. And on Twitter at Brennan underscore French. Also, go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He is the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. If you like that, you'll probably like the rest of his music. He's a great electronica composer and producer, and you can find all of his music at soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of video game podcasts, which you could probably assume from what I just said. But it's also got a ton of fun shows that look at video games from a bunch of different angles, from the fandom side, the news side, the analysis side, the development side, all that kind of stuff. And if you like our show, you'll probably like some of them. So go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Thank you also, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It's because of you that we're able to do this as much and as consistently as we are, and it means the world to us. So thank you again. And if you, that's right, you, I see you, you there with the face. If you like our show and you want to give us uh, give us some support in that way, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way of helping us out. That's all we've got for today. We'll be back on Thursday with more needlessly analytical bullshit like this. And until then... Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.